Hello and welcome to The Haunted. I'm Freddie Young. And I'm Vanessa Mitchell. And as agreed last week, we are going to be visiting Highgate Cemetery. Yes. Now you've wanted to do this for a long, long time. Yeah, I remember my uncle telling me when he was a teenager in London, I mean he's in his, I don't know, late 50s now, um, back in the 60s and 70s, they all used to go in it and he, you know, as groups of them because even back then it was known to be really haunted and I think any anybody that was interested in that type of thing in the thicker London just went there so yeah it's something I've always heard about so it's 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 an interesting place it's a place that I'm a lot of English people have heard of I don't necessarily know if it's as well known in other countries yeah I don't know to be honest it's but it's a really famous location for us it's really well known it's quite notorious there's a lot of kind of myth and legend attached to it and law I suppose and also going back through hundreds of years this place um is reputed to be haunted and very famous so you know it's a um I will apologize our resident historian uh was supposed to be on the show tonight but um she hasn't been able to make it so but she has sent us lots of historical backstory so we're going to read it out today on her behalf yes so i am going to be sergeant major 2.0 for this evening so we're going to kick things off so we are going to give you um some history some facts that um about the location and about maybe victorian's views um, and superstitions around death and stuff to give you a bit of context. So Highgate Cemetery. Now I had to Google this. I thought oh, that's what I want to know. So there are a hundred and seventy thousand people buried in fifty-three thousand graves. Yeah, this is this is the scale of the cemetery we're talking about. It is huge. This is it's absolutely massive. There's a an east side and a west side. East side's the best. Don't even do that. <laughs> Don't even be Ali G, please. He's one of my uh, old-time heroes, and you will make a mockery out of him. Correct. Yes. So, let's kick things off. So, Victorian London was booming with a rapid increase in the population. Poor living conditions, so think Oliver Twist, and disease all contributed to overflowing cemeteries. In 1801, the population was around 8 million people, but had almost doubled to just under 15 million by about 40 years later, which is mm. huge. Um, I've skipped right to the end. That's no good, is it? So there were several other new sites that were opened up around the same time as Highgate, and they spent £3,500 um, in their money yeah. back then, which would have equated to quite a lot, I'm assuming, nowadays. Yeah. And they used that money to purchase 17 acres of land on the hillside of Highgate Village. And that was part of the Ashurst Estate. And the Ashurst Estate is a grade one uh, site and it has lots of historical parks and, and gardens and stuff mm. like that. The woods and the lands were enhanced with landscaping by a very prominent gardener at the time, and his name was David Ramsey, and this took three years to do. It was all laid out with kind of formal planting, so I would, when you think of like grand manor houses and the, the posh gardens and stuff, try and think, think like that. So there was a part of the cemetery, and that is called the Circle of Lebanon, and that was built around the cedar of Lebanon from the original estate. And it's a huge, massive, it's a huge, huge tree. Um, but unfortunately, it was removed in 2019 due to fungal infection. And it was in danger of falling into all the catacombs and that. Yeah, and cra crashing into them all. Yeah, yeah. so they, they had to, didn't they? Yeah. So on Monday, the 20th of May, 1839, it was officially opened and dedicated to St. James. Right. And that was done by the Right Reverend Charles James Bloomfield, and he was the Lord Bishop of London at the time. Important man then. Important in those days. man. We know this is the West Cemetery, and because the East Cemetery was built later on. Um, the first burial that took place in 
uh, Highgate was on the 26th of May 1839, so six days after it opened, and it was a lady called Elizabeth Jackson, and she was 36, and she lived in Little Windmill Street, Soho. Mm. I don't know how she died. I think in those days it would have been... Could have been anything. Consumption. TB, consumption, yeah, cholera, you know, a, a multiple of diseases, but she was only young, so it would have been something like that. And the fact she lived in Soho was, of course, then a poor area, so it wasn't yeah. a good area. So now we move over to the east um, east side, and that is a 20-acre site, and that was built uh, in 1854, so a few years afterwards. And the new section was needed due to the volumes of burials. And the wed by the time they'd built that, the west section had already had 10,000 burials in there. Yes, a lot, yeah. Uh, with an average of 30 burials per day since it opened. And they built an underground tunnel from one side to the next yeah and it had a hydraulic lift for the coffins yeah oh, i thought mm. that was quite interesting yeah so now we kind of look at the victorians view of of death and some of the superstitions so obviously with the death of prince albert in 1861 queen victoria entered a lifelong mourning and yeah you know she was always quite notoriously dressed in black and it, it increased the fashion for elaborate funerals and mourning and remembrance practices yeah. and things like that. So, as a woman, as a woman, as a widow, women were expected to wear full mourning clothes for two years after the death of their husbands. And were the husbands expected to wear full black mourning suits after the death of their women? No. I would bet you it's no. Yeah, exactly. Men were not expected to mourn their dead wives that long, uh, but they was expected to marry fairly swiftly yeah so in other words get over it it's only a woman there's another yeah. one to come and, and i think especially <laughs> especially if they were children because their children were now left without a mother and yeah. they needed someone to bring them up so they it was expected for them to marry off so the the men had to marry again quickly but the women weren't allowed to the, have the women the, crazy, the women were it? expected to mourn yeah and, I can't, and, and stay and on I can, their yeah, own and, and, I can and imagine leave children was, without dads okay yeah, yeah. It's, it's always bloody one-sided yeah but as always and as will continue to be death was big business yep so they they threw money at the clothes they buried them with elaborate jewelry the plots that they paid for the gravestones the monuments they built it was all kind of um like mausoleums and yeah and grand statues and stuff and it was the they believed that the more that they showed it and and the bigger the memorial yeah. and the bigger the the you know the party or whatever the more important that person was yeah which i think probably still, rings, rings still, true yeah, doesn't to, it to this day yeah so here's a here's a, some quick fire facts for you the victorians carried the deceased out of their home feet first so they couldn't look back and call someone else to follow them hmm, interesting I, I think they probably they lead with the feet don't they yeah when that when they carry the coffins and stuff so it it, it, ah. it may it might just be that kind of ingrained thing now. I, I, di I didn't know that. But yeah, that would make sense. These traditions stay a lot of the time, yeah. don't they? Curtains were closed and mirrors covered until after the funeral so that the deceased image wouldn't get trapped in a looking glass. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Do we kind of... I don't well, think we, we do. Well, we do associate um, spirits all the time in mirrors. Yeah. It was thought that... You might be next if you saw yourself in a mirror at a house where someone had recently died. Yeah. So that's probably why they covered them as well. To prevent bad luck, all clocks were stopped at the time of death. Now, oh, the poem, Stop the Clocks. But as well, a lot of people report kind of waking up at certain times or all the clocks in the house stopping at a certain time. And they link that with paranormal activity as well, don't they? So that's... Yeah. I wonder if it links... Yeah, it must, well, it must do. It must there do. you go. That's an interesting one for you. And also, Victorian Victorian families turned down the, the photographs of the families to protect um, their their loved ones from possessions of the dead. Yeah, very superstitious. The very, very, very superstitious. So we fast forward a, a little bit, and we kind of enter in early twentieth century. And after World War One, the the cemetery began to decline as people moved towards less expensive burials. Uh, possibly due to the combination of factors caused by the war. Yeah, so soldiers course, yeah. Um, were dying in the hundreds of thousands. Um, 
and also as well and there, there was no was... money for burials in the war there was no money for anything there probably wasn't even enough materials for that because obviously all the iron everything had to go to the war effort so yeah. there pr might not have even been the materials to and do no one was elaborate... earning no one was earning money then yeah. so 850,000 UK service personnel died during World War One unfortunately not all of them made it home or their, or their bodies made a it home a lot of the them. most of them let's be let's yeah. be real but also we had the Spanish flu epidemic and that saw an estimated loss of 228,000 well they say the Spanish flu killed more men than the war I mean my great-granddad was one of them Edgar, he came back from the First World War and died of the bloody flu. Came home to his wife and sons and uh, and died of the flu, died of the Spanish flu. So that was, if, if you add the numbers up, it's over a million people and the population at that time was only 18 million. So to lose yeah. that many people, it's it's huge, huge percentage. And it, it changed how we mourn how you know we have funerals and stuff but also as well all of these losses it really fueled the rise in spiritualism in the uk because obviously everyone was desperately trying to reach their loved ones i mean that's how the ouija board became so popular because everyone after the war was desperately trying and the ouija board was a parlor game that you do after sunday dinner i mean it, it was it was it was popular for every i mean every house had one in those mm -hmm. days didn't they so that is um a, a brief history of the of highgate cemetery so obviously it has continued to be used as a cemetery, a cemetery. there are still burials cemetery cemetery <laughs> Zemmer, Zemmer. there are still burials that that go on there um but i've got some famous people that are buried in highgate yeah. so are you ready now ready. i'll throw the names out so michael faraday you know who he is i've heard of him very very famous he um was a british engineer scientist and he contributed to the modern understanding of electromagnetism mm -hmm. and he also invented the bunsen burner oh interesting we've got karl marx you, yeah he is the he's considered the father of communism uh, communism, communism yeah oh, mom i'm all tongue-tied today um but did you know his grave is so often vandalized um that they don't really tell people where it is anymore and it's even survived a, a bomb well now what happened was when they first buried him, him and his wife, it was a very plain and basic grave. After that, years after that, people raise money and now there's a massive bust of his head. And now, um, because he was just buried in a normal grave, but late, later on it, it was all added to. But it, it's, yeah, but it's subject to a lot of vandalism. Yeah. Because communism, Political, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's... Uh, a touchy subject for some but it has survived a bomb attempt maybe even two bomb attempts i think what on that particular grave yep oh really but, and all that's happened is it leans ever so slightly to the left yeah george michael was buried there ah, we love george michael love george. in this household he deserves the best burial place ever george michael uh also douglas adams is Do buried you reckon there. he asked he must have asked to be buried well, there, it's right next to Hampstead heath so <laughs> and we know he liked it he would have, he, we we know yeah. he liked it there he would have requested them to be yeah overlooking uh, yeah douglas adams he's he wrote hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy famous book very famous book and people leave uh, go to his when they go to his grave they leave pens there's a pot and they all leave pens in that mm. in there jeremy beadle <gasps> really yeah jeremy beadle's there Roger Lloyd Pack, that's Trigger from Only Fools and Horses. Oh, is he there as well? He's there. Bruce Reynolds, no, and he was it? the mastermind of the Great Train Robbery. Oh, right. Yeah, we love a gangster. Charles Cruft, and he was the founder of Cruft's Cruft. Dog Show. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Hoskins. Really? He's in there. So, and this is the one I was really interested in. So, do you remember the case of Alexander Litvinenko? Yes. The Russian who spy was, they, uh, they poisoned. by the uh, Novichok, or I don't know, but... Some... Yeah, he was poisoned. Yeah, yeah he was poisoned. Yeah. He is buried in one of the Victorian vaults, and he's buried in there because the vaults are lined with lead, and lead. that is to avoid radiation. Yeah, yeah. 
And wow. I thought that was really interesting. They've re they repurposed. Yeah. Repurposed it. So you can visit Highgate Cemetery. Um, it is maintained by a really lovely group called Friends of Highgate Cemetery. And they charge an entry fee and they cover expenses for the tours and, and maintenance and upkeep of, of everything. It is a private cemetery and it isn't, you can't just go and visit. You have to go through. I think it probably is now. I would imagine in the 60s. Oh, in, 50s, oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't yeah. then, but yeah. So until 2020, the West Cemetery was accessible by ticketed tour guide only. And this was for safety reasons. But because of COVID, they have self-guided tours, um, which you yeah. can do. They also, as well, you can go over to the East Cemetery freely, but you still have to pay the entry fee. And you get you kind of the maps and they it shows you where all the, the spots I mean, and it's stuff a, are. I've looked at the pictures of it. It's absolutely huge and imposing and you could easily get lost there. So I can definitely see how you would need tour guides and maps. Mm -hmm. And it's quite, it's treacherous. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of catacomby and you know the ground's yeah. giving way and the trees of well apparently the underground passage is closed now that's yeah. uh, that's not open anymore but yeah so you have to but yeah fast you know it you know don't listen to this really do have a look at the pictures of that place because it's just i will incredible. put some up on social media and stuff so you can get a feel so uh, it's worth pointing out the east cemetery tours are only available on saturdays right if you're interested why did you say saturdays like that i don't what did i don't know saturdays saturdays <laughs> so we are going to move on now to maybe why Highgate is so. Are any politics? I would have thought that would be a place for London politicians. Oh, to there's there's be. loads, but I only added people that I knew. Right. So yeah, that I I, there are, I think there there's are, a lot more. Oh, there's a huge amount. Just go onto Wikipedia. My goodness, they are. T yeah. There's hundreds of of really notable people. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm going to tell you why now. Or give Would you, you the... like to be buried there? What, in Highgate? Yeah. I reckon, yeah. Yeah. It would be my second choice. I'll be in St. Osef Church, but um, up Clay Lane. But uh, it would be my second choice. Yeah, I'll go Highgate. Or what's the other one? Don't know. There's another big one in East London. I can't think of its name. Don't know. Oh, well. It'd have to we'll be Highgate there. for me as a second choice. So we are... Obviously, talking about the Highgate Vampire. Yes. Now, this is this is the this is this the story, story that is probably uh, more famous than than all the rest of the stories, to be honest. Yeah, correct. Or more, more popular. And this, yeah, this is this is the one that everybody knows about. When you Google Highgate, when you go, you know, the vampire and the shit show that it was is all that we see. Mm. So. It starts with a collection of sightings of a sinister, dark figure with blood-red eyes who appeared to glide above the grounds. And sightings of him started popping up in local newspapers. Now, I've heard people describe his now, eyes. Now, what year? We're going back and back and back. We're, we're going, going a long time when he was first discovered. No, we're going 60s. Oh, 60s. I thought it'd be a bit no, before that. No, 60s all this starts. But his eyes have been described as, do you know, like when the coals are just about to go out? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a really good description. They said they're yeah. almost like glowy and yeah, yeah. ambery. Um, now, the most famous sighting, or one of the most famous sightings, was by a man called David Farrant. Now, he claimed that he had seen a tall grey figure floating in the cemetery on Christmas Eve in 1969. Well, which isn't out of the way at all. In fact, to be expected. And during this time, he had also found foxes uh, scattered around Highgate with their throats slit. Which kind of leads to... Well, their throat, if it was a vampire, their throats would have been punctured. But it raises questions, doesn't it? Yeah, it raises, it raises questions. questions. Now, David Farrant was a paranormal enthusiast and he had claimed to have spoken to two people before embarking on his own investigation. So he went on Christmas Eve based on a conversation with two separate people. Yes. He spoke to an old lady who'd been out walking her dog and a middle-aged accountant. Mm. Both very unassuming. Yeah. No real interest in the paranormal, but they'd had these encounters. Yeah. But both of them told very, very similar stories and neither knew each other. So the old lady had been walking down Swain's Lane and Swain's Lane is what connects the west and east right. sides of the cemetery. 
and she saw a tall dark figure with glaring eyes that seemed to be floating towards her. She said that the air turned icy cold and she kind of went off pretty sharpish and you know nothing nothing came of it and that was that and she never walked down the lane again. The accountant had a similar story but in his he'd got lost in the cemetery and he started to hear a bell. And so he thought, I'm going to go towards the sound, like soundless people, civilization, hoping that, you know, someone will be there to, to help him out. Instead, as the bell tolled, he became aware of something behind him and he noticed that the temperature around him was really plummeting. And when he turned around, he saw a tall, dark figure that stared at him intensely before it vanished. Yeah. So obviously, intrigued from these stories, he goes to investigate and he spends the night in there. This is David Farron. And he, he said that at first he thought it could just be an animal or someone dressing up and messing about. And, you know, at that time, there was a lot of vampires in films. Mm. And, you know, Hammer Horror was a thing. Yeah. And every it was a bit of a craze. Horror movies were... Yeah, Tales really, of the Unexpected. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was all coming out. And he thought that, you know, it's someone having a laugh. But around midnight... He saw the figure and he said it's about seven feet tall and it was floating above the ground. And he said that what he saw first was two points of intense red light, which is the eyes. And he also claimed as well that around him, it all turned icy cold. And he says it's like stepping into a a fridge. Mm. So it's quite the difference. Mind you, it is Christmas. It's already cold. Yeah. Well, it's colder than cold. Yeah. Whiter than white. And he, he claimed that he felt the figure draining him of energy and that he felt like he was losing control of his faculties and that he was becoming, you know, delirious yeah. and, and losing it. And he, he felt like a dream and he wanted to wake up, but he couldn't. Yeah. I mean, it's classic demonic, isn't it? Red eyes, draining of energy, mm-hmm. horrible feelings. Yeah. So he had that encounter Christmas Eve 1969. And on the 6th of February 1970, he wrote a letter in to Hampstead and Highgate Express, which is a local newspaper. Yeah. And kind of just detailed what had happened to him. And he asked, has anybody else had an experience at Highgate? Has anyone else seen this figure? Has anyone else had anything strange happen to them? And then on the 13th, of February, there was untold replies from people saying that they've seen all sorts of things. So, in the in amongst it all, there was a variety of ghosts that people said haunted the cemetery, and especially in in Swain's Lane. And they also described a tall man in a hat, a mm-hmm. cyclist, a woman in white, a face glaring through the bars of a gate, and a figure wading into a pond. Bells ringing, voices calling. Like just, I mean, it would just be so active that place. Yeah. So many, so many dead there. I mean, it would be just a hive of the living dead. So not long after this letter, there was another man, and his name is Sean Manchester, and he was interviewed by the same newspaper, and the article said, "Does a vampire walk in Highgate?" Now, Sean Manchester alleged that it was the King Vampire of the Undead, and that he was buried in the graveyard. And that this vampire in life was an aristocrat and practitioner of black magic in medieval Romania. Mm. And that he'd been transported to England by coffin by his followers in the early 18th century. The vampire had been buried on the site that the cemetery would be built on. And that because of the some of the satanic and dark magic that had been taking place in the cemetery over the recent years, and that's what's brought him back to life. Do we have any historical no, zero. backstory proof? No, zero. So it's a, it's a legend. He also said that the followers that bought the body over bought him a house in the West End. What, the vampire yeah. house in the West End? Yeah. Well, after he was dead? Yeah. See, to me, it just rings like just a retelling of Dracula yeah personally personally he uh so sean manchester had also claimed to speak to local people who had experienced some vampire activity which included a young school girl called elizabeth she claimed to have seen the vampire walking down swain's lane and she began to having nightmares 
about it and that this evil presence would be coming into her room and eventually after some nights two wounds appeared on her neck and she started to display symptoms of anemia yeah um so what they did is manchester and the young girl's boyfriend filled her room with garlic crucifixes and holy water and then it all stopped mm. Again, it, I think it rings a little bit too true to Dracula's story. Yeah, the thing with these stories is they always start from something. They get dramatised and become utterly fantastical by the end of the Chinese Whispers. But I think in most cases it starts with something but then gets out of hand. Yeah. But like we always say, we don't know. We weren't there and most things are possible. So, so he also spoke to another... Um, young woman called Jacqueline and she said that she'd woken up in the night to find something cold clutching her hand and the next morning she'd noticed deep tears in the flesh where she'd tried to force her hand free yeah uh, Jacqueline and her younger brother soon developed a fascination that kept drawing them back to the west side of the cemetery and that is where um, Sean Manchester suspected that a vampire infection had occurred he did a similar thing with her, did the garlics and crucifixes. Right. Mm. And it all stopped. So as he, as Manchester went public with his thoughts and findings and views, he claimed that more and more people were coming to him, all describing a very similar tall, dark being with the, the red eyes. Now, Sean Manchester at the time was the president of the British Occult Society and before all this was a self-professed exorcist and vampire slayer and he apparently he decided he was the bishop of a church but no one knew what the church is and I can't find any documentation mm. of the church or anything and he declared I'll be the one to rid the, I'll, I will hunt him I will kill him yeah. I will slay the slay the beast now I <laughs> I don't know if he kind of ran with the vampire angle because it was good for business. I don't know if he was being paid to get rid of the vampire, but it certainly uh, sparked an interest in him. Yeah. Now, we're going back to David Farron. So he was the man at the beginning. Yeah. So he was like, no, you've blown this way out of proportion. You've brought all the media in, all these stories, you've blown it up into something it doesn't have to be. And David Farron was like, no, I believe this to be just a just a, a ghost, uh, you know, a, a spirit. There was rivalry between the two men, yes. wasn't there? You know, like you have to stay in paranormal groups. My, my ghost is better than your ghost. So obviously, like you said, there was a rivalry and this grew and grew and grew. And both of them in the end were saying that they was going to destroy and, and get rid of whatever this was. So Sean Manchester decided, or he told everybody, that he was going to hold an exorcism Friday the 13th, March 70th. No, March 1970. ITV interviewed him and... They all kind of said, yeah, there's vampires, there's ghosts, there's this, there's that. And they broadcast it early Friday, that Friday morning. And within hours, there were mobs of people that swarmed the cemetery. The police were there, and but they were like climbing over the gates and just, they just ran riot. Yeah. And just, yeah, they just ran riot through Highgate trying to find this vampire, all armed with stakes and yeah. Bibles and stuff, thinking they're going to get a slice of the action. So, but what's in, there's a little interesting snippet to this. So a little while later, we're still 1970, but we're the 1st of August, charred and headless remains of a woman's body were found near a catacomb in the cemetery. The police suspected it was been used, it had been used in black magic. Also around this time, David Farrant was found by the police in Highgate Cemetery, wandering around with a crucifix and a wooden stake. Mm. Now, he was arrested, um, but it was all dismissed in court. Right. But it's, I think it's a bit strange. Yeah. Strange behaviour. Yeah. They never found out who, who had uh, murdered this woman. It remains unsolved, but the police know it was used... Well, no, they, I don't say no, they suspect. Yeah. 
So, again, we kind of, a few years have gone by, it's all died down a little bit, and flyers started to appear around London Underground train station advertising a magical jewel. And it was scheduled for April 13th, 1973, on Parliament Hill in Hampstead. When you say magical jewel, do you mean a jewel is in a fighting jewel or a, or a gemstone jewel? It's never really <laughs> specified. Uh, what is a magical jewel? I, I think because they have these kind of, um, or believe themselves to have these powers, that they would fight each other with their minds on Parliament Hill. Right, okay. Not like back to back, 13 paces, yeah. first to draw. Yeah. I think it was mind bending. Right, okay. Anyway. But while this is all going on, rumours started swirling around and the media said that the pair of them were going to sacrifice a cat in the presence of naked virgins. <laughs> oh, here, here we go. The cats get sacrificed again. The cats are getting sacrificed. And the virgins. And the yeah, naked, naked virgins women, dancing yeah. around a campfire. Classic, yeah. Never happened. No. They never met on Parliament Hill. It was all yeah. just a bit of... Bit of bizarre. Yeah. So, there was then shortly while after that the RSPCA wasn't very happy um with the thought of cat sacrifices but near David Farron at his home a man's pet cat had gone missing mm. and the RSPCA ran with this and said that he had killed the cat and beheaded it and <laughs> so he he was um he was, wasn't painted in a very good light. David Farron actually was jailed in 1974 and he was jailed for damaging memorials and interfering with dead remains in Highgate Cemetery. Yeah. Uh, he claimed it wasn't him and that it was by all these Satanists and madmen that would go and do all their black yeah. magic on the... But you know, the police call him. Um, Sean Manchester did claim that he had tracked down the vampire to a house in Crouch End and that he had killed it and burnt it. So he tracked the vampire back to a house. In Crouch End. I've recognised Crouch End. That's London, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it must be, because we're in Highgate. Yeah, it wouldn't have been in bloody Yorkshire or something. Probably. Um, now, these two have gone at each other ever since yeah, 1970. Very publicly. Very, very they, publicly. Yeah. But unfortunately, David Farron passed away in 2019, and... Um, their rivalry has stopped, I believe, unless David Farrant's going in from, from beyond the grave. From the grave, yeah, yeah he, he definitely will be. Smite thee I down. <laughs> so there is no real proof of the Highgate vampire. There are a lot of people that have witnessed well, a figure. I'll tell you, um, I met a guy, a very intelligent, very clever um, man, and he was a paranormal investigator. I met him through the cage. And he had one of his worst, or I suppose from investigators, best experiences in Highgate. And he told me all about it. He was in Highgate, he was wandering through. It was early evening um, and he went, uh, he wasn't there to visit anyone particularly. He, he was there, you know, out of curiosity. And um, he saw, he said this huge um, figure um probably about seven foot with a huge black hat and what looked like a cape and he said ness he said he absolutely shit himself now this is a guy who's like all parent investigators dedicate their time and their life to to trying to find the existence of life after death so he's not scared let's put it that way um he's not a shy fella and he said it absolutely terrified him and he said he saw it right in front of him at dusk there was no trick of the light and he said it absolutely terrified him and he said it came with this just real feeling of evil. Now, and, uh, yeah, what I will really say, scared he was. what I will say is, and from previous guests that we have had on that have that deal with the darker side of this world, we, when we're talking like demons and stuff, so we're like June, yeah, um, Kelly. Kelly, some, they, the kind of consensus among them and go back to listen to them episodes if you haven't. They're amazing episodes and really, really good guests. Is that a demon will manifest itself to something that you, yes. to you and your fear. To so it might fear, not, yeah. it might not necessarily be a vampire as we we know, yeah. like Count Dracula. 
but it may well be, you know, a very dark energy. Yeah. That has manifest that manifests itself. I mean, size in, in... is intimidating, and uh -huh. this thing is huge and looming, and that's obviously everyone's intimidated by it. If you've got something huge in front of you, um, you know, you've got less chance of fighting it or you know escaping from it. But yeah, it probably manifests itself. But you have said earlier that um, a, a similar figure with a hat has been seen. Um, so it, it, it's obviously there. Is it a vampire god? I mean, probably not. I mean, I think they call it the vampire because it's just a name that's stuck. But it's definitely some oh, sort yeah. of negative. I think it's or just demonic. the name that's stuck. I think you know, Sean Manchester coined it. And said, no, this is what it is. And everyone went, well, we'll have a bit of that. Yeah, so it's... You know, um, the, the media have a lot to play in that. They yeah. hyped it up. It was it was a good news story. It, it sold papers. It got people watching the telly. Yeah. You know, people were interested. Um, so, but what I can say is, is that there is often found in the grounds the remains of Satanist rituals. So we have yes. stubs of black candles, satanic markings on the floors of tombs, inverted pentagrams. It still it? goes on now. Um, it's very well documented. The police are aware of black magic practices that go on in in the cemetery and stuff mm. as well. Now there was a film created based on the Highgate Vampire, and it's called Dracula AD nineteen seventy two. Right. And it has Christopher Lee in it. Oh, yeah, the famous Christopher Lee, yeah. Peter Cushing. Yeah. And it's about a, a group of young hippies who are participating in an occult ritual in an abandoned cemetery and reawaken a vampire. So it's pretty yeah. much... It's the same. You know, the, the story of the Highgate vampire. So that doesn't mean to say that we haven't had sightings since. So obviously we've had your... Um, the person yeah, you know that has Nikki, seen somebody. Yeah. Now, there was a man called Declan Walsh, and he said that he saw the vampire walk through a locked gate in 1991 on his way to work. He said he was extremely tall, well over six feet in height, and was very, very thin. He wore a long black cape-like coat and a top hat. His dress looked almost kind of Victorian style, and it was all black. Yeah. He also glided, and this is this is like a running theme, isn't it? That he's not on the ground. He glided, and there was no sound, but the the ground had lots of leaves on it, so he, he'd have yeah, you'd yeah. Have noticed. He also said that you know he stood there in horror, staring at him, but he didn't take any notice yeah. of 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 him standing there watching. There was also another witness who watched um, a figure float from Swain's Lane from the east side to the west side of the cemetery in August two thousand and five. And also, a um, man called James Dobbin has reportedly captured a photograph of the vampire in 2012. Yeah. I've viewed this image. I'm going to say no. Right. So, I'll <laughs> take from that what you will. Sorry, <laughs> sorry James. It's an, I'm, I'm sorry. Now we're going to move on to... Um, so it is a well-known ghost in Highgate, but not as well-known as the vampire. Um, this spirit is solely connected to the east side of the cemetery, and it is a white shrouded figure. Um, and it's they say it's of a, an old mad woman that has murdered her children, and now she restlessly roams the cemetery trying to find where they're buried. Mm. The figure is seen to have very thin, wiry, wild hair. And she darts between the graves really, really fast. Like quite agitated. Then. Yeah. So there is a historian who has tried to do a little bit of digging to see if there's any truth in this town. And there is. Yeah. So there were ch child corpses found on the grounds of where the East Cemetery would be. One find um, was the 8th of January, 1845. And it's the story that is reported in, in the paper is that a boy has, has climbed a tree in where, where the uh, egg cemetery would be. And as he's got to the top of the tree, he's looked down into the trunk. So it must be a dead tree, I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah. And in that tree, there was a black bundle, 
when that was opened, it was found to contain the body of a child. Um, it had started to decompose. It had obviously been uh, viciously beaten. The head was bruised and there were very obvious marks of violence on, on the child. Uh, there was also another child's body found and this was August 1865 and a tailor called Robert Pringle was making his way home and he found a parcel all neatly tied up with string so he took it home and opened it at the family table with everyone sat there oh for god's and sake and everybody present and as he opened it a child's head rolled out onto the table oh my god both crimes went unsolved but it was presumed that it was a local woman who had gone mad and murdered her own children they kind of this woman almost became a bit of a bogeyman like yeah don't go out or the the yeah. young woman's gonna get yeah. you kind of thing but you know this it, it might not be her but they associate this these things that, that have happened with, with her, with her yeah. but yes yeah, so she's just she's seen um running around frantically yeah in the east cemetery which i can imagine is quite scary gotcha um there's also um this one's quite a, a sweet story so there is a grave uh it's the grave of harry thornton and he's kind of tomb or it's not a tomb he's marker he's a baby grand piano but it's all made of stone yeah and that's because he was a classical pianist and he played music and stuff for the troops in world war one unfortunately he and never made it home his body Aww. did and, and that's where he's buried but it's said that you can sometimes hear the piano playing yeah and it's, but it's very very faint yeah and people have described it as like almost translucent yeah and they say it's very like melancholy and, yeah and, i understand what but yeah i think you know that's not a, that's not a, it's not scary i think it's quite sad yeah it's quite it sad. sad yeah there's also a another female spirit and people come across her and they find her just staring up into the sky just standing she doesn't do anything doesn't look at anyone but if you go too close she'll disappear but she'll reappear somewhere a little bit further mm. away so she doesn't allow anyone to come mm. into a certain proximity yeah. of her but she's she's very still and she just stands and she looks up and that's all she does. I'd love to go to this place, Freddie. I mean, we say this about a lot of the shows we do. You know, when we start next year going to locations. But again, it's one I'd love to go to. Listen, if you're a TV producer, we could do that for you. Live on <laughs> tour, on the road. Yeah. There's also... All, all of us will be looked at. <laughs> just send them through to me. Um, there is also a again a tall figure dressed in dark clothing and and he's meant to be very very pale again i don't know the stories i've found about him don't are not associated with the with the vampire and the tall figure with the hat but he sounds very similar i mean i think a lot of these things you're talking about i think graveyards across the world if you spent long enough in them you'd see very similar things um I think that, you know, the lady, the, you know, the, you know, because it's the nature of death, isn't it? And coming back, they, they come back. And I, and I think obviously there's, there's quite a few more in uh, Highgate because there's so many more bodies buried. But I think all these stories you're saying to me, it's just not out of the way it's really to, to not anywhere, out of the to way. be honest. It's just really qu quite classic. You know, because it's quite, because I drive, I drive past Clay Lane Cemetery every single day. Yeah. It's on my way to work. And I always look into it. And sometimes I'll see people standing around. And I always think to myself, I wonder if that's actually a person. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But you never, you know, that's a fast road. So you never ran long enough. That's to... it. It's a fast road. Yeah. But I mean, I'm the same. I always look over there. And, and, and every time I'm sitting there, actually, I always look out. And I love being there at dusk, you know, when it starts to get a bit darker. It's just so peaceful there. 
and I'm always looking for, for a ghost. And one day I'll see one. Um, but I don't get there in the dead of night, obviously. But it's you, just sort but of you might afternoon. never know. They might just walk, be walking about yeah, and you never that's know. that's the thing. I mean, listen, not everyone sees ghosts. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've seen quite a few. You know, but, but it's, I think I think as well with Clay Lane, we have a lot of friends and family yeah. that are, are buried there. So we have quite a deep connection with Yeah, and you know, like we said earlier, uh, I'll definitely, we'll end up there one day. We'll all be at Clay Lane. Well, all together again. Well, I don't know. They'll have to buy another plot of land. It's filling up. Yeah, I think they've got the fields next to it. They can accommodate us all. They yeah. need to because I'm not being buried anywhere else. I want to be with everyone. Listen, it'll be like high-rise flats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll be bunching us all together. So, um, sorry, I do digress. So, like I said, there is this tall figure. <clears throat> and we're in Swain Lane again now. Mm. So that's the road. And this figure has pushed a young woman to the ground an oncoming car caught the figure in their headlights they they saw it as well yeah but it vanished yeah so the woman was pushed yeah and a car saw it two independent yeah. people yeah. have had with this um the victim who or the young lady who was pushed to the ground was really really shaken uh, she wasn't hurt. She had um, quite a bad graze into her knees and elbows and stuff, being pushed quite forcefully. The police did investigate this because um, it was quite a malicious. It, it was, you know, yeah, into an oncoming yeah. car. But they had, they found no evidence of the attack. They couldn't identify any suspect, and nobody was able to adequately explain how anyone could vanish so quickly and yeah. completely. Yeah. Now. I'm gonna move on. This is this is Highgate Village, and mm. it's right next to Highgate Cemetery. It's a place called Pond Square, but I could not, not include this. Right, go. So we are going way back in time, and it, this is not, uh, 1626, and there was a philosopher called Sir Francis Bacon. Yeah, heard of him? Yes. That not to be confused with. Francis Bacon, the painter. Right. Or Kevin Bacon, the actor. The actor. Terrible actor. <laughs> I, I can't stand oh, I Kevin like Bacon. Him. Oh, he gets on my nerves. Goodness. Anyway. Now, the story goes. He was in Pond Square in Highgate and had purchased a chicken from a market trader. A woman. A, yeah. Somebody. But he thought, I can't eat that now. So he did whatever he could do to preserve the food. Right, hold on a sec. Was the chicken alive or dead? Does it say? He killed it. Right, so he brought it alive. He built it alive and killed it. So he plucked it, gutted it. It was very snowy at that point. So he thought, hmm, Freeze I know it. what I'll do. I'll stuff it with snow. Oh. So he might have even invented refrigeration. Yeah. Um... But him being outside in the elements, collecting the snow, gutting and plucking the chicken. Got hypothermia. Caught hyper, no, caught pneumonia and he died. And that is fact. He died from catching pneumonia. Trying to, trying to preserve the corpse I don't, of the chicken. I can't, I can't confirm the chicken, but I confirm he died of pneumonia in that, in that place at that time. But a ghostly plucked chicken is spotted running around aimlessly in circles in Pond Square. What? There have been so many reports of sightings of the chicken, hearing the chicken, commotion. Well, we know the spirit, you know, animal spirits come back. We know that. But, I mean, would it come back plucked and headless? That's where I, I, I get stuck with this. Because it should come back as a normal chicken especially if it's running around because if it was plucked and thing it wouldn't have legs to run around no i think you're thinking of a supermarket chicken i am yeah tudor version of plucking oh what still with legs then you mean i'm assuming well they would eat the chicken they'd, feet, but they'd, they? they'd eat the lot they're not going to waste it now the chicken was most often sighted during the second world war because there was um an air raid shelter nearby and the air raid wardens were stationed there and they saw it all the time. And it just become like 
part and parcel. It got to the point that one of them decided to try and catch it. And as they got near it, it ran through a wall. Wow. I think it's... Uh, it's I've seen a ghost fox. Strange so but I true. So I know ghost animals. I've seen a ghost fox. So I... And very clearly, up close, it ran underneath my car. That's for another. Uh, that's for another day. We'll do but that. We'll a, do ghost it's, animals it's one day. Yeah, because, because there, there's so much again proof and evidence of, of spirit animals. So. so there is another uh, um, sighting of this has been documented. Um, it was during World War Two as well, but this is by a civilian, and they heard what they thought was the sound of the coach and horses, so they could hear the clock and then the yeah. churning of the wheels. And they went out to look, because that's an unusual sound to hear, especially in this day and age. But they didn't see the coach and horses, but what they saw was a chicken with half of its feathers gone, running around in a circle. So we're back to the chicken. Yeah, we're, st we're not leaving the chicken. We're still on the chicken. I've got one more sighting for you. Bloody hell. Now, this was spotted by a young couple uh, sharing a romantic embrace in a doorway in Pond Square. Yeah, and they were um, disturbed in this action by a plucked chicken running around, squawking, clucking, I should say. And the young man made chase and again it ran for a wall. Well, I mean, if there's so many sightings, it's got to be there. And I love that. Yeah. I want, I want my own resident ghost chicken. <laughs> well, hold on a minute. You want your own leprechaun, and now you want your, your own ghost chicken. Correct. If anyone could... It's like 13 ghosts, but I'm not collecting dark spirits. I'm collecting <laughs> the weird Listen, and wonderful. Be careful what you wish for, Freddie. Well, a ghost chicken's not these... so bad. <laughs> yeah, well, to tell it's Jake not, that. It's not when so it's terrorising running around the flat. As long as it does shit everywhere, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, that was Highgate Cemetery. It's a location we've wanted to do for a long time and I promise you there are untold stories about this place. There are so many different sightings, witnesses, you know, all kinds of things that have happened here. I could not fit them all into this episode. I wanted to focus on some of the more popular and more famous stories from, from that location. But please, please, please go and do your research on this location yourself and read some of the stories yourself. Even if you just look at the pictures and get a feel of what we're talking about. You need about. to look at the pictures because I I only looked at the pictures as research for it this week and I was blown away by the um, magnitude of this place. I mean, it's very imposing. So it's definitely worth a look so you can visualise. I think it would even it would even be interest to some of our conspiracy theorists out there. Um, they've got a, a place called Egyptian Avenue, and it's full of, like, Egyptian um, architecture well, and stuff. Well, I've read about that, and there's also lots of ghost stories connected to this Egyptian Avenue, which, again, but like you say, if we said it all, we'd be here for six hours. We'd be here for six hours, but, you know, it's it's a great location. Just have a look yourself. And I, I, I'm going to post pictures of this on, on social media for you to, to get a real feel of where we're talking about and just uh, hopefully try and and show just how atmospheric it is. Because even just looking at the pictures, you can feel it feel kind it, of yeah. like, ooh. And it's, you know, the... Um, Multiple um, mausoleums and, like Freddie said, big statues, grandeur, you know, it really is a oh, sight to behold. Huge, place. huge monuments to the dead there. You know, that, like I said, there like, are 53,000 um, graves. Like, like Rod, Rod, Rodney and Del Boy's <laughs> mother's grave. Correct, that, yeah. That size. Uh, Luminous? Luminous. No, yeah. not, no, not then, Luminous. No, that's, no, that's banned. That's yeah. banned. That's but just think, think that size. Fools and horses. But 53,000 of them. And it's just... I don't know. It, it, I can imagine it's like no place on earth because it's been it's been done in a way that it's meant to you know lead and be like a garden. Yes. And yeah. Obviously, it's fallen into you know disrepair, and I know that the um, the group that uh, look after the place and try to keep with the upkeep do their best, but they're a charity organisation. They haven't got an unlimited pot of money. You know, they've only got there's only so much they can do, and they're doing their best, and they, they've I done mean, a fantastic how, how, job. How many spaces are left there? I mean, do we know? I mean, obviously, modern day people are getting buried there. I mean, how do we know? You know, maybe we should look into that. How many spaces until I can imagine they... a plot's quite expensive. 
A what? A plaque, quite expensive. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you're talking big money. Yeah. You're talking big money for a, a village bloody churchyard, but for something like this, you are, yeah, it's serious, though. Could you inherit a plot? Um, no, I know you can buy plots for you and all your family for when you do shift this off this mortal coil. I don't know if you can, in, in, what do you mean inherit? You can go in together in a plot, can't you? So you can just buy yeah. one plot and go uh, in together. Do you know what I want? Yeah. I want a mausoleum. I don't want to be in the ground. I'm not surprised you say that. Well, I want to be cremated. Do you? Yeah. Why? But um, that's because I me. don't like the thought of my sons knowing that month after month how I'd be decomposing and how because that that's what I think of. That's what I just prefer. And I'm going to be scattered in a bit in St. Osith. A bit can go in the ground, but I want a massive, massive gravestone. So I might have to, you know, say loads of stuff on it. So I might have to buy a burial plot, but then just have some ashes in it. Yeah, so someone could inherit that, couldn't they? Because it would be empty. Yeah, I don't know the legalities of it. I'd like a mausoleum. Well, ask Neil the Sergeant Major, because he's in charge of all that stuff up Clay Lane. Is he? he yeah, he is. He's the man that, uh, well, I say in charge, he's uh, got a lot to do with it. And uh, yeah, so. so I had a letter for Nan's grave, Nan and Grandad's grave the other day. Yeah, so what? Um, I've got to take the solar lights down. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Too much toot. To be honest... It's like kind of alluded to. Too much toot. But that's what I think is really sad about graves. I mean, there was, um, again, in Clay Lane, there's many graves of children, and they all get told, you can't put the windmills up, and I think it's horrible. Because, listen, who gives a shit? Nobody that is in that graveyard... they play is... for that bit of ground. That's... Yeah. If, I wanted, if they wanted to, care. they could build a shed on it if they wanted. What you do is you, you look at a, a grave of a child, and it fills you with so much love and joy when you see there's toys and lights and everything. Yeah. There. And yeah. I don't see the problem, and now, and now it's just not allowed, and I think, fuck it. It is really sad, because Nan and Grandad are buried next to uh, two twins... Um, babies yeah. and you know there's often you know, like yeah, toys like, yeah, exactly. and, and things like that and it it does it, it it's incredibly sad, sad. but it, it 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 warms you yeah, but, but they're it, still it's, being looked after yeah but yeah so um yeah that's we, wrong we, we got told we had they... to take all the toot off i know but i hate that i think well, no they really did they, they said if you don't come and collect it we're taking it off yeah and they're doing it with all the graves, and I hate it. I think it's really, really wrong because nobody should be able to tell someone how can, that they can well, respect you know and do, mark then? the passing of graves. Plant some bamboo in it, and it's spread all around. <laughs> What's some? Um, what off. is it? That um, <laughs> Japanese not Japanese weed. not weed. Yeah, have some of that. Yeah, um, but th then it will let me have my let me have my solar lights. Anyway, sorry, going into the. Um, personal thing of where we're done i if anyone out there would like to donate to the freddie mausoleum fund <laughs> um, I'll, 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 i'm gonna start set up collecting a... now because it's probably gonna cost you about 100 grand do you reckon that much uh well i, I would say me. it's essential and i'd like a bill i'd even have a live feed camera put yeah. in just just in case yeah yeah. I'm obsessed with that. I'm I'm not actually dead. Yeah, but these days, luckily, they can tell if you're dead. No, but I'd also like a window in there. So if I'm, to get, I'd, I'm funny with air, and I'd like to know that there's an escape route. I'm claustrophobic. Yeah, I know. You're a bit funny with your OCD ways. Claustrophobic um, even in death, I assume. Well, you wouldn't be because you'd be up in heaven. How do you know matter. that? You, maybe you... Maybe, Maybe everyone's stuck underground. No, no, let no. me out. Listen, we know that's not the case. That's why we do this podcast. We know. That's hey, not listen, true. right? Well, listen. But if it makes you feel better, then have your window in your bell. I'd, I'd think I'd quite like a window, and I'd like it open just to let a breeze in. Yeah. What about when it snows? That's fine. Build a snowman. Do you want your coffin with a glass top so people can come and see you? Tacky. You Tacky. sure? No, I'd like nice polished oak. Gold handles. Yeah, gold. Do you want gold leaf? A bit like a fucking gold a leaf. Bit, well, I'm on. a classy bird. No veneer in here. Right. <laughs> Would you like something similar to the Egyptians? I'd be mummified, but they'd have to keep leave everything in. They couldn't take it away. No, they can't take your brain through your nose. No, and I'd have to keep my eyes because I am a donor. Um, I don't know if they want anything that I've got to give because I've absolutely battered and bruised well. it. But, but they can't take my eyes. Do you, know, do you know, isn't that weird you've said that? I've done exactly the same thing. You're I'm not a allowed donor, then. But you can't have my eyes. No. 
and there's just something now i believe you can see in heaven without your bloody eyes but there's just something in me that I, i've said no i i just feel that i need to keep my eyes in case i do need to isn't that weird yeah, I'm, I'm they're exactly not lads, the same. They're not... Oh, we've never discussed that before that's no. interesting we've just discovered yeah. that i'm the same take it it's just you want, I, I don't know what i don't yeah i i don't know it's just very strange to me but i wouldn't want my liver no they won't want me lungs no my heart don't work as it is no my kidneys have o are over overrun yeah i mean they might i mean yeah you're going bald so it's not like they could give you scalp me yeah fuck's sake i ain't got a lot going for me if I, right on that note right listen just quickly um okay so halloween week is coming up and i know it's a few weeks away but it'll come in soon Yes. Halloween it's week, we are going now, to do a episode every night, and um, so we're going to have a really full-on Halloween week, and um, we have one confirmed guest, Kelly Angel, our demonologist, yep. so she will be doing um, an episode with us. The rest is, we're kind of really working on, but we're going to focus on making it a really ghostly, we're not probably going to do so much history in Halloween week, but we're really going to focus on scary stuff. Scary stuff, and it, it is, it's going to be a bumper, bumper week, an episode every single day to the run up to Halloween, because it's on a Sunday, I think, this year. Well, for Halloween week, yeah. For, from, we yeah, so from episode. that Monday to Sunday, yeah. every day you get to hear us and we're going to have some good guests on as well and we, but i want to do we're going to do a varied week so it, you're going to get a little bit of everything so get excited guys and guys if there's anything you want to see in particular just tell us we'll do it i'll do anything for a fiver <laughs> let us know he's not joking let us know yeah and, and please like be a bit you know uh, interactive with us because we love to hear from our listeners you know we love to get the chance to um get everyone involved so but yeah, Halloween's going to be a great. Ha I mean, Halloween's just a just the most amazing. I time can't of wait. Year. What are we going to do? We're going to do something special. Well, last year, listen. Do you remember what we did last year at Halloween? We um, went to the village. You and me. Oh. We were supposed to be doing an entire <laughs> night in the cage. Now you got to imagine this. So Freddie is obviously quite high up in the school, the local high school, and all the kids in our village know Freddie or Mister Young, as they call him. So we thought, right. Listen, we've got just the two of us Revealing in the cage all my dark secrets. Yeah, on our own. So I thought we need a bit of Dutch courage. So we got a bottle of vodka from the local shop. Well, we sat in your car because it's bloody freezing. Um, not obviously driving the car. No, because we, we, we did parked. get a taxi back, but it was parked up, but it was just cold. And um, I think two hours later, um, we, we were we... still in the car and all these kids went all dressed up. Now, Freddie, I mean, is a very funny drunk anyway. Both of us, we're not aggressive or nasty drunks at all. And all these kids went by and they went, hi, Mr. Young, hi, Mr. Young, hi, Mr. Young. And you were literally falling out of the mini with our paranormal kit to um, <laughs> go and do. Uh, I think we're going to go to the graveyards as well. Well, so I, and I was, I was telling Mr. all the Young. kids, going, make sure you behave yourself. I don't want to hear about this when we go back. Yeah, ah. hick, hick falling over with our paranormal kit. Oh, so, yeah. no. Um, but to be fair, we, we did have a good night in the cage. We did uh, obviously sober up before we went in there because, listen, don't do that that stuff, piss, because it is really no, quite but, serious. But, you know, it, we got there very early and we left exceptionally late. Yeah. We was there for a very long time. So we, by the time we left, we was not... Um... We, we, we filmed all this as well. But again, like we talk about, we can't really release any of this footage. We're, we're, just, we're just not allowed to. Um, we're, we're, we're sort of told what to do by other people at the moment. But uh, yeah, but we did, yeah. So that was our Halloween last year. So listen, I just, I just say, let's do the same again. Yeah, fuck it. But um, let's actually get properly to to the graveyards and, and obviously St Osip Priory. I think we went over to the gatehouse, didn't we? Well, we might have done. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. We did. We did a whistle stop tour of yeah. all the of all the spots and locations. Um, but yeah, guys, keep an eye out for that. And as always, I'll attach our email address to this so if you do have any requests any questions if you want to submit your own story just fire it through to us i um uh, i say i'll pick it up i do pick it up i'm telling you lies. are you are good i'm, I'm pretty fair, good i'm pretty are. good, He's good yeah. i'm pretty good um what i will say and what i will ask guys if you do listen to us please 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 especially if you enjoy it um rate us online go to if you listen to this on apple podcasts give us five stars spotify share give us, us share and share alike listen 
we're all for that get the word out there we want to the bit the the more people that listen the more things we can do and yeah and then the more access you know we'll be able to, to go out on locations and we could even do some live filming and upload it for you but you know everything takes time on these podcasts but yeah please the more popular we get the more we're going to be able to justify spending the money to go out and do these things so as always follow our social medias it is instagram is the haunted podcast official twitter is the haunted pcast you can find us on facebook at the haunted podcast official as well all of it will be linked in the episode description along with sergeant major's email address because if there's anything historic that you want to know uh, from today's episode email her because she's our um she is very our expert she Not has me. no time for any type of non-factual stuff, which sometimes I find a, a bit irritating because I think things don't necessarily have to be written down. But she's absolutely on the money. If she says it, you can guarantee um, that she's been sitting on a microfiche um, and researching all this stuff, and she absolutely knows what she's talking about. So, yeah, and, and a lot of people love our episodes with um, our historian, don't they? Yes. So, it's... Uh... Ciao for now for this week, but we'll be with you very, very soon. Be good, be safe, be honest. Live long and prosper. Good night, good bless. Good night from me. And it's good night from me. Him. Him. No. Oh. We'll end anyway, it there. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>